0: god is that <laughs> david draymond over there Who? who's that wow <laughs> um <laughs> you know people keep finding our i don't know if you check the email oh. ever I, I use the term people loosely door, but people keep finding our our pa- not our patreon our website and they're sending us messages with the the comment box on the website that victoria put up
1: really and what want they- me to read some of them are they nice
0: yeah, yeah, they're great. Oh okay. Paw Safer can safely trim your dog's nails in no time <laughs> from home. This one is a really nice message from Krista. Thanks, Krista. Um, Here's one from Jonas. He <laughs> says, 50% off for the next 24 hours only and free she... worldwide shipping for a limited time on a grinding coffee beans, nuts, and spices machine. We
1: love grinding nuts. Uh, yeah. Um, question, what hosting site is she using?
0: WordPress? That's why. Here's another one. This one's a great email from Silas, who I thought was my cousin, because who the fuck is named Silas besides my cousin? Sure. And it says, morning, are you scrambling while open jars, bottles, and cans? Yes. This jar opener takes the strain and frustration out of opening jars and bottles. Never struggle with a jar opener again. Thank you so much for writing to us, Silas. That was really (laughs) sweet of you. I don't know that I've ever
2: had a jar opener.
0: I have a jar opener. They don't, it's just a little thing. But
1: they don't pop up on the website. Like, you can't see other people's comments on our website, right? It they're just... not, no,
0: they're not comments. It's like the message box oh, that okay. they can contact us through. Um, so those have been all of our messages. I've been really excited Beautiful. every fucking time. And then I read them, and it's some bullshit. So, Victoria, I don't know what you can do, but it's getting my hopes up every time. That's not to say that we shouldn't get our hopes up, because we do have a new $5 patron. By the way, our Patreon is only $5 a month, and you get at least two extra episodes. Thanks, Marco, for subscribing to our Patreon. If you search for Death by Podcast Team, you can do that. Also, despite these weird messages that we're getting to our website, we're actually doing pretty good, because we had a whole fucking debacle. Um, Was it last week sometime? I don't know. By the time this comes out, it will have been a month ago.
1: (laughs) I don't even know (laughs) if it's worth discussing oh yeah. my
0: gosh no 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 just how we went up on we hit the apple music charts oh. or the apple podcast charts for music history shows in the united states and we also hit the charts in canada which was cool oh. so we had a couple of days that i think because we were in the top 100 on the charts we just had so many downloads like a crazy amount and uh yes and then with great amounts of listeners comes some great amounts of bullshit a lot of it was really good we didn't really have any any negative feedback except for one fucking guy one guy who commented in our facebook group and um he followed the group that's where it got me because it's a public group anybody can comment in it and he joined the group so i thought he was being sarcastic when he was like your podcast sucks these hosts don't know shit he said that we only we didn't know 80 percent of what we were talking about And then all this drama happened and like, but we didn't even have to say anything because then all of you guys hopped on and were like, fuck you, nerd. And so thank you. Thank you for doing that. (laughs) We had people in there angry, reacting his post. Mike was in there like, what did they say? What what set you over the edge? Was it Alex calling Corey Taylor's neck fat? And the guy was like, (laughs) no, it's because... Spoon Man is by Soundgarden, not Audio Slave, duh. And we're like, that's what did it. That's what sent you over yes. the edge to comment and tell us how much you fucking hate us. Because I don't even remember when this happened, but apparently it did. I'm pretty sure I asked, Isn't it don't
1: they sing the Spoon Man song? I mean, and then we just started singing that.
0: Mario. Yeah, we just started going.
1: It didn't matter. I don't think anyone ever responded. It's fine. No, I
0: mean that. Uh, I, I,
2: I remember listening that up that episode when you said that. I was like, no, that was Soundgarden, but it. You still said Audio Slave. It's the same. It's the same. It's t- like the same t- thing yeah. almost. Yeah.
0: When you when you <laughs> are matter. on the spot, and
2: it was <laughs> it was a real conversation. So sometimes you you get stuff yeah. wrong that just comes out of your mouth. that's not exactly don't... correct, and you don't catch it. Exactly. So.
0: Until like way later, but that's the problem with having your conversations recorded. But also,
1: none of us have claimed to be experts in any (laughs) subject matter. I think we've
0: specifically claimed to not be experts. I'm pretty sure, like several times. I don't
1: know if you kept it in, but the last time, or it was like one of the last times we recorded, maybe like a month ago. I like had a dream that someone was talking mad shit and was like, "Yeah, I
0: left that in." Yeah,
1: maybe he heard that episode (laughs) and then was was just like, "It was triggering." Maybe Mm -hmm. is he still. Does he still like the group?
0: No, 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 because as soon as he said... Because we were like, why is he even... And I get really... I'm like, why do you hate me? But I'm trying not to show it. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't even have to fucking do anything because Mike was like, what did it? What's (laughs) your problem, man? And um, he said that. And he was like, maybe because fucking Spoonman's by Soundgarden. And Mike was like, yeah. Or maybe because it's by fucking Chris Cornell, who was in both audio sleeve and sound garden like it's a clearly a mistake and then the guy deleted his entire post and um yeah he just never came back
1: but, but he anyways, probably still liked the page it's probably still
0: i mean he's probably still following our little group so i did i <laughs> did fine. upload screenshots because i was like what the fuck like and i thought it was funny because he got he just recently got a big tattoo that was pretty good of um Corey taylor with his face half It's half his face and then half his mask for Slipknot. And we had just done the episode about Slipknot. And I was, Uh. you remember, I was concerned about saying Corey Taylor had a fat neck. And I was like, I don't want him to get mad at me. And so Mike was like, that's why he's mad. It's because you said Corey Taylor has a fat neck. And he just got a big old thigh tattoo of Corey Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) And he put a screenshot of it up there. If it's right next to his dick and balls. I was like, damn, I wish Corey Taylor's face was that close to my crotch. And then he was like, (laughs) delete. So... (laughs) Anyways, it was fun. I had fun. You know, it was really stressful being that successful for two days in a row. Um, Oh, my God. And having haters for the first time. So thank you guys for, for, um, you know, supporting us. Because that made me feel a hell of a lot better. All right. I do have some information, Jake. Your mother contacted me. And how the uh, hell did she get your number a weirdo. <laughs> your mom contacted me and she said that you had actually accidentally taken Thorazine as a child and I don't know if you remember this story at all she nope. said you were like two years old um, now Thorazine is a drug that we mentioned for schizophrenia that um, right. why
1: did she have that in the
0: house We <laughs> men- well hold on this is for Roki Erickson for that episode so, anyways, okay, I'm going to try and tell the story accurately. Obviously, I was not there, nor was I alive, because I'm not that fucking old. When you were a child, there was a time when you would stay... I don't know if you lived there, or you would just visit there. Your grandmother's house. And your grandmother ran a home for... Yeah. What was it, like, mentally... They were, uh, like...
2: They're dis- disabled somehow. I'm, yeah. I think some of them are mentally like, disabled. Like,
0: mentally disabled men... Who basically couldn't like live on their own, so they needed a home to live in. But they were all adults, so maybe some of them had Down syndrome, some of them were schizophrenic, some of the you know they all had these different things going on that made it so they could not live on their own. Mm-hmm. One of those men was schizophrenic, and um, he was taking Thorazine, and he started. I guess they had those old school like vinyl chairs in the kitchen, and he had started picking at the vinyl underneath one of the chairs and picked a hole in it and there was foam underneath and he started instead of taking his medicine shoving his Thorazine up into the chair instead of taking it and Jake was like a baby right so he's crawling around on the floor that motherfucker's under the chair and he's eating Thorazine uh, and he was started acting the really. Gum out from under tables Took, took to care of joke. my
2: schizophrenia. I'll tell you that.
0: <laughs> well, it worked. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I guess I guess he, I don't know what sort of effect it has, but you was, we were acting really weird, and they were like, what the fuck? Like, what is going on? She said you must have been around too because you could kind of talk, and you said something about eating M&Ms, and they were like, wait a minute, what <laughs> the fuck? So you had taken some of the Thorazine and they were like, ah, that's why this one dude was acting up, because he wasn't taking his medicine properly, and they weren't worried about him, and they were like, ah, shit. So they had to take you to the hospital and, like, get you all fucking figured out. I guess you were fine. You didn't die, so. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't remember
2: that either. I don't... I, you know what? I probably heard that story, and I just... I
0: In one ear, now the so other. It's been so long,
2: I just it completely forgot. Yeah. Well... Well, cool. I had to
0: tell to it. For that you. explains
2: that note there. I was wondering about that. Yeah, because yeah. you asked
0: me about it. And I was like, I can't <laughs> so, tell you until we record this episode, and it's taken so long for us to get here. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that. Um, yeah, we took a couple of weeks and released some Jim Morrison episodes from our Patreon. We have a whole twenty-seven club season on Patreon, and that came from up there, just so you guys could have some content while we deepened our research. On that note, want to say thank you to Victoria, who designed our website. She's my sister, and she helped us so fucking much. Um, she's basically, like, our new research assistant. She did a lot of fucking work. So, by saying assistant, I don't want to downplay how much she did. She No,
2: she, she absolutely killed it.
0: Yep. Yeah. We just gave her, like, a day. And... Said, here's the topic, here's kind of how we generally write things, and she fucking went in. She wrote like seven pages, and then I saw Jake that day, and he was like, whoa, she needs to chill. <laughs> and then she was like, oh, I'm about to go home and write four more pages. So she she just went nuts yeah, writing she's, for us. She's,
2: she's crazy. You know, I met her a couple times.
0: You, yes, you have.
2: Um, I want to say it was Dragon Con. Uh, yeah. Possibly.
0: Yes. It she was. was.
2: She was bald, all blue, had no eyeballs. She
0: was blue. Yes. Yeah. Was I bald. had to help her put that fucking bald cap on.
2: Yeah. She's a little out there.
0: You said she was knucking futs. Wow, that was very beautiful censorship <laughs> and a spoonerism.
2: Oh yeah, spoonerism. yeah. We learned about those uh, a few months ago.
0: Yes, but yeah. Thank you to Victoria for helping us research this. That being said, I'm going to take a sip of my buzzball. And everybody yawn, y'all yeah. good? Yeah. I'm well, fucking, a- I'm alive and awake, <laughs> and I think it's the buzz ball. Probably. And you guys are yawning.
2: Yes. Anyways. Hi, guys. Hello. Welcome.
0: Oh, hi, Mark.
2: <laughs> uh, you fucking derailed me now. i thinking about that damn movie.
0: It's <laughs> oh, hi, <so> Mark. Easy. <laughs> uh,
2: welcome to Death by Music podcast, everybody. I am Jake. Here with Cassie and Alex, we are your hosts. Uh, No, uh, yeah, who are we talking about today? Uh, Phil Spector. uh, Uh,
0: Uh. (laughs) Jake is derailed. I shouldn't have said, oh, hi, Mark.
2: Yeah, that fucked me up real good. (laughs) I'm still thinking about it.
0: Whoops. Phil Spector, trigger warning for child abuse. It do be happening in this episode. He was good at his job, but he was kind of a cunt. Our sources Mm -hmm. include wikipedia the agony and the ecstasy of phil Spector. it's a 2009 documentary uh snopes phil Spector's wall of sound from npr by steve profit there's a vulture article no one was safe from S- phil specter by bill wyman a new york times article phil specter famed music producer and convicted murderer dies at 81 by William Grimes. Forward Jewish News article How Phil Spector's Jewish Success Story Became a Tale of Paranoia, Drugs, and Murder by Benjamin Er mm. Ivry. CNN.com. Phil, Fe- Phil Spector, Fast Facts. Phil, Phil fast Spector. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> New York Times. There was one called A Sad Song for the Ronettes Court versus Royalty Rights. And now we can begin with his life. Sorry. Y'all shift shift shimmy my i gotta actually not slouch this whole episode because i always feel like i'm gonna die when i get out of here okay it's
1: mainly my butt
0: <laughs> it's my butt
1: booty booty booty
0: booty <laughs> <laughs> um there was a child's birthday party today at my workplace Why? So we're gonna chuck e cheese i know <laughs> no, <we're laughs> re- i hope emily listens to this <laughs> um there's a baby there's one baby where i work they allow you to take your new, your new babies in until they turn two, and then babies are no longer allowed at work. You want to take so mine? that's nice. No, no, no. Oh. no. I, that's not what I was saying. Oh, okay. Um, so anyways, Emily's got a fresh baby, and he just turned one, so he had a baby party. And they were trying to put some playlists on, and I was like, you need to put on Grinding in a Sweaty High School Cafeteria. <laughs> right. And Austin was like, oh, okay i'm putting it on and we were in there and it was like she in there money like a cyan clone
1: <laughs> i love t-pain the baby's birthday party and everyone yeah. was
0: like what the fuck is this music and they were like i don't know alex picked it and they were like that's why she's the program director <laughs> like i fucking told you <laughs> the day I, I hear do is playlists.
1: t-pain on 93.7 i will be so happy
0: i got you maybe back to phil specter though He is the producer who came up with the wall of sound using the studio as an instrument. He played a hand in bringing pop art into music and developing several new genres like dream pop and art rock. He produced hundreds of songs and rendered numerous hits for the Beatles, the Ronettes, the Ramones and more. But his legacy would forever be tarnished after he killed actress Lana Clarkson in his home. Spector was indeed a wildly prolific and accomplished producer, but he was also demanding, arrogant, and quick-tempered, which caused this story to end in tragedy. Phil was not without his own trauma, so we will take his story back to the beginning with a dysfunctional and violent childhood.
1: So Harvey Phillips Specter was a first-generation immigrant born in... Or dis- er, born... In December um, on the 26th 1939 to parents Benjamin and Bertha Spector
0: Benjamin and Bertha
1: Can can you imagine being named Bertha and then giving birth uh, to a demon Um, (laughs) 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 um, (laughs) Can
0: you imagine being Cassie and giving birth (laughs) to a casserole (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what
1: kind though <laughs> all right so they lived in the bronx new york and bertha was she had relocated there from france and she was brought to america in 1911 at just nine months old benjamin was born in russia or in the russian empire and brought to america by his parents at as well at age 10 uh, both families had chosen to anglicize their last names to specter on their naturalization papers and the similarities in name and background led phil to believe that his parents were actually first cousins weird gross Um, In April of 1949, Benjamin Spector committed suicide.
2: The story goes that Ben headed to work one day, parked and ran a hose from the tailpipe into his car and died of carbon monoxide poisoning. And uh, what was this, 1949? Yeah. Yeah. Those cars did not have emissions controls on them. Oof. Uh, It doesn't matter. I mean, you you can still do that. With all the emissions controls that are on there now, you will still die, but maybe slightly slower Mm. and uh, of asphyxiation and not poisoning. Hmm. Anyways, it's just the the different gases that come out. The only explanation we could find was due to financial anxiety. That would be the reason why he decided to kill himself. Uh, Phil says in an interview that looks to be sometime in the 70s, though, that his father shot himself in the head. Hmm. According to several of these articles, though, Phil was uh, that I read. Phil wasn't known for always telling the truth, uh, especially later in life. So I'm not quite sure. What he was trying to accomplish by saying he shot himself, but maybe embellish it, make it sound worse. Like I don't more know.
0: tragic or something? Something. I don't know. I could see some people are just pathological liars and they just have to lie about everything.
2: So yeah, I kind of got that from him while watching him talk. Yeah. But uh yeah, it's certainly something that affected uh, him throughout his life. Sure. Quite mind blowing for me his first hit single was actually about his dad and not what everyone would think it is. More on that in a bit. Phil was a shy, awkward kid. I can relate.
0: Are you also a murderer?
2: Mm, Not that I'm going to tell you. I can't (laughs) relate (laughs) yet. It doesn't help that his family fought quite a bit. Um, His mother didn't seem to like his lady friends that would come over and just stare them down. If uh, Phil was over at his lady friend's place, his mother would call every 15 minutes demanding he return home. No. Yeah. Oh my uh,
0: God! I totally get it now. It all makes sense.
2: Uh, well, it's gonna get worse. Uh, oh. She would say things like, "Your father killed himself because you were a bad child." Oh, and he'd fire back with, "Daddy killed himself because of you."
0: You know, that's pretty
2: gross and disgusting as it is right there. Yeah, well, he uh, learned
1: it from his mom. So,
2: yeah. well,
0: that's why he hated women. That's where it starts. That's yeah. Mommy is, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. issues. Uh, what's that guy's name? Ed Kemper. You hate. You hate your uh, mother. Your mother treats you like shit, then you start to hate your mother, and then you hate all women, and you take it out on your your partners and whoever, and right. that's uh-huh. why he was so aggressive towards women, I'm sure, coming up later in life, which we'll learn about. Right.
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, a high school friend is quoted saying they would just attack each other all the time. There's a reason for everything. And with Phil, the reason he's the way he is is all due to his immediate family. Uh, there's even stories from his friends saying that she would chase him through the house with a knife. Pretty crazy stuff. Bill Wyman says in his article, quote, From the start, he, Phil, was a fabulist, a megalomaniac. He told his friends tall stories. He sometimes stalked his girlfriends and treated <laughs> professional collaborator, collaborators I'm sorry, with contempt. A fabulist is someone who lies or creates tall tales. A megalomaniac is someone who's obsessed with their own power, which I certainly got that feeling from him just watching him talk uh, during you know, the interviews and stuff that I watched with him.
0: Yeah, it's interesting learning about people's childhood because you really can see what exactly caused them to be the way that they are. And dealing with that kind of shit, like you totally understand why he would want to be in control of everything. But all of his relationships with not even just romantic, but with other people, people in the studio, it was all toxic because he's never had a good example of a normal relationship with a human being.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even as a friend is casually saying he sometimes stalked his girlfriends. Like, wouldn't you tell him to knock it off? Like, what kind of friend Mm -hmm. are you letting someone just continue to do that Maybe not
2: back in the day they wouldn't
0: no because stalking i mean i just recently heard someone talking about stalking they like still were like i mean i guess you would call it that i'm like yes that's what it's called like why is that still so <sighs> hard for people it to, down to Let's... grasp the concept of like following somebody and not leaving them alone is stalking them like yeah. it, that's whatever okay yeah. so in
1: 1953 phil and his mother moved to los angeles where she began working as a seamstress Phil attended junior high and then Fairfax High School.
2: Phil wasn't popular in school, and we're going to see some more things that may describe why he is the way that he is. Uh, Described, again by Bill Wyman, as quite short, with a weak chin, and a pronounced, almost absurd Brock's accent.
0: Ah, he's got the odds stacked against him. Yeah, (laughs) Uh,
2: Phil was obsessed with his looks, uh, especially his hair, which is odd because in the early days it seems pretty tame, but it gets kind of weird and crazy as time goes on. Uh, Same with his outfits. Uh, He got picked on and bullied and beat up in school. He was the poor kid amongst the wealthy middle class population at school. Uh, He did manage, though, in high school to garner protection from the football players in exchange for helping them uh, to pass their classes. Nice. Pretty slick move. bribery. Here's something I found interesting while listening to him describe his high school class, uh, of which he didn't hold in high esteem. Quote, Our graduating theme was daring to be different, and nobody in the class did it. Everybody turned out to be a loser. (laughs) Nobody (laughs) challenged society. Nobody gave back to society. I've gone to class reunions, and nobody's made a difference. Nobody dared to be different. Nobody challenged their own ideas, their own abilities. Hmm. They were all nothing. They are all typical and very disappointing. I'd like to say I'm the only one who dared to be different and took it seriously.
1: I mean, do okay. You, do you remember what your even like graduating class slogan was? Cuz I don't. No.
0: But this man is no obsessed
1: clue. with I'm the one that's different. Of
0: course he did. I mean, it makes sense because he was ridiculed for this whole time. Yeah. And so to be able, I mean, I get it at that point to go on and become more than them. Of I mean, I think you would be fixated on those people who peaked in high school because they made your life a living hell.
2: Yeah. And this, that, that quote was from him.
0: Like later, later uh, in life, later right? in life yeah.
2: way later in life. This is like while the trial was going so on. So he
1: was still just caught up in that. Like I'm still better than them. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's I, matter I mean, matter that's someone.
0: your if that's your metric, like that's where it started. That right. was, that seems like a really dramatic experience. Like I can't imagine being picked on in high school. Like I didn't have to deal with that. I wasn't sure. popular. I just didn't. I didn't fucking like under the radar play. Yeah, I yeah. flew under the radar. People didn't hate me. People didn't like me. I had my little group of friends and that was it. And I didn't have to deal with that. But those are your formative years. And True. if you spend that time being shit on and beat up by everybody at school, then it makes sense that that's where you would stop. Right. And that's what's important to you is. Am I going to be more popular than them? Did I peak in high school? Is this it? Am I doomed to be a fucking loser my whole life? And what they told me is what they told me true, or am I going to make right. something he different? He likes
1: using the term loser, because we'll get to, to that later, too.
0: I think it was used against him a lot by his mother and by his classmates.
2: Yeah, so he's, he's just kind of spitting it back out at him
0: all right so phil starts learning guitar and performs rock island
1: line at a talent show at his um at his high school this led phil to join a loose-knit community of other aspiring musicians like lou adler bruce johnston steve douglas and sandy nelson when he was 19 specter formed a group called the teddy bears with nelson and two other compadres marshall lieb lieb Mm -hmm.
0: Lieb. and annette
1: kleinbard Um (laughs) the Germans. (laughs) While the band was working on music, record producer Stan Ross began tutoring Spectre in record production and became a major influences or major influence on Phil's production style. Hmm. Phil's sister became the Teddy Bears' quasi manager, but she was unstable by many accounts and terrorized Annette. In nineteen fifty eight, the Teddy Bears recorded their song, Don't You Worry, My Little Pet, creepy with Spectre as producer. He produced the song using forty dollars from his bandmates, which led them to sign a two year or a two to three single record deal with era records with the promise of more singles if that charted well
2: and th- this is happening pretty much out of high school like he just jumped right into it right. he he was not wasting time
1: he had yeah, to be he was somebody ready to get he was, the fuck he was out doing of it. yeah he didn't want to be a loser um yeah. at their next recording session they tracked another song specter had written this one inspired by the inscription on his father's tombstone to know him is to love him phil must have known a little something something about what he was doing because the song reached number one on the billboard hot singles hot singles in your area now
0: <laughs> <laughs> i was thinking
2: craft hot singles
0: like a cheese like craft cheese yeah just uh. <laughs> we'll to show you what we're both thinking yeah, about those hot gross um
1: so yeah it reached number one on the hot 100 singles chart in december of 1958 the song itself sold, sold over a million copies by the end of the year and was seventh number one single in the newly formed chart
0: Newly formed as in four months old, the Hot 100 debuted with three categories, jukebox, jockey, and sales. So a bunch of radio stations were hesitant to play rock and roll at first. Um, Just looking at the radio spins would not really yield an accurate list for the Hot 100, so record sales and jukebox plays were also taken into account.
2: Huh. I wonder how the jukebox plays worked. Like, there must have been some kind of mechanical counter in the machines. And somebody just came by and wrote it down every I month guess. or something. Maybe the
1: grooves in the forty-five just got deeper and deeper and deeper <laughs> and deeper. <laughs> <laughs> until there was nothing left, <laughs> and you
0: had um, to. Prove. I don't think that. that I'm was
1: joking. It. I don't
0: think that was. I it. know
1: it's not it. I was joking,
0: I, obviously. Uh, all right, now they nowadays they use Nielsen impressions data, yeah, Nielsen sales data for retail and digital and streaming numbers to determine the Hot One Hundred. She's about to projectile Sorry. vomit.
1: <laughs> Please don't. I'll vomit if you vomit.
0: And, and I probably will also here? vomit. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think the cat would vomit? Do you think she'd be triggered or do you think she would try to eat <laughs> it? She'd
2: probably be like, yum. <laughs> and then oh, she'd throw no. it up later.
0: Stop. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to make Cassie throw up now.
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> because to know him as to love him um, had seen so much success, The Teddy Bears sign on with Imperial Records. They release another single, as one does, called I Don't Need You Anymore, as one does. Mm -hmm. And they go on to release several more recordings and an album, The Teddy Bears Sing. But the album failed to reach the top 100 in U.S. sales.
0: The group disbanded at the end of 1959, crippled by internal strife, and also as a result of a serious car accident. In early September 1959, Annette lost control of her car. She tumbled down a mountainside and into a ditch. She was pulled from the wreckage and required four operations on her face, and apparently lost pretty much her entire nose. When she was well enough to receive guests, Phil Spector didn't come. "Quote: Too bad she didn't die," was his comment.
2: What a dick! Uh,
0: what he, did she like? Reject yeah.
1: him or something? Probably. Probably
0: stupid fuck. So, since Phil had
1: been spending so much time in the recording studio um, with the Teddy Bears album, he ends up meeting a lot of influential musicians and other folks in the industry. Phil moved to New York in 1960 to work on a se- or to work as a session musician and producer, and he got acquainted with Lester Sill a promo man who mentored Jerry Lieber and Mike Stoller, who co-wrote over 70 chart hits for artists such as Elvis, The Coasters, and Ben E. King. Lieber and Stoller were inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame in 1985 and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1987. They both thought that Spectre was shifty and a man on the make, Um, yet they ultimately uh, thought he was charming and he was one of the most sophisticated minds of the day with his wit, knowledge, and sparkling talents. Sill and his partner, Lee Hazelwood, decided they're going to support Spector's next project, the Spector's Three. And in 1960, they encouraged Spectre to work as an apprentice to Lieber and Stoller out in New York City.
2: So this apprenticeship was started during a time when Lieber and Stoller were looking for a fuller sound uh, through the use of excessive instrumentation, using up to five electric guitars and four percussionists. Over the next few years, this evolved into what is known as Spectre's Wall of Sound, which Lieber and Stoller considered to be very uh, distinct from what they were doing, stating, quote, Phil was the first one to use multiple drum kits, three pianos, and so on. We we went for much more clarity in terms of instrumental colors, and he deliberately blended everything into a kind of a mulch. Uh, he definitely had a different point of view. Strangely enough, Spector compared his wall of sound to Richard Wagner, uh, 1813 to 1883, who was Hitler's favorite composer. He told the London Evening Standard in 1964 that his songs were Quote, built like a Wagner opera, it's in the mind. I dreamed it up.
0: So part of Phil's dream was also to empower African-American singers and those of Latin origin. During his apprenticeship, Phil co-writes the Ben E. King top hit Spanish Harlem with Lieber and works as a session session musician playing guitar on the Drifter song on Broadway. Specter was a huge fan of Latin percussion and in later recordings you can hear instruments like Shakers, chords, and maracas. He had a vast knowledge and affection for R and B by black artists.
2: You know, for as much of a dick as he is, that's kind of like a I guess a positive note.
0: Yeah, I mean for his everyone side. Has... He seems
2: pretty progressive, especially for the sixties.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. He just hated women.
2: I mean I'm but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no I'm, I'm kidding guys oh. <laughs> <laughs> no that's terrible but i mean the other part i mean it's, it's something yes, nice to yes at guess. least he
0: was embracing of other cultures in a right. time where mm, a lot of people were not yeah or, or, or it wasn't popular necessarily to be
1: um so at this point specter is working to produce a ton of new tunes for musicians he produced songs for laverne baker ruth brown billy storm he even had a hand in the top notes original recording of twist and shout you know it. You love it. Mm-hmm. Um, Spector's partnership with Sill and Hazelwood seems to be a good one, and they keep recommending him for more work. Ray Peterson's hit, Corinne Carina, um, Curtis Lee's pretty little angel eyes, the pair of sisters' tracks, Be My Boy, and I Love How You Love Me. Homeboy was cranking out the hits.
0: Yeah, and it's like they're working pretty well yeah. together, the three of them to this for point. For now. Point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so near the end of
1: 1961, one, Spectre and Sill formed a company Um, A record company called Phyllis um, Records, a combination of both their names, Phil and Lester.
2: At one point, Phil bragged to a friend who was working full-time at three different companies for uh, Atlantic Records, for Don Kirshner, and for Hill and Range as well. This scheme eventually blew up in his face, and Spector succeeded in alienating most of his contacts in the city. Uh, from collaborator, uh, collaborators he backed out on, mentors he double-crossed, and even staff he treated with disrespect.
0: So it sounds like a ton of people want to work with him because he's bright, he's got impressive ideas, but he's also kind of an asshole and an arrogant fuck. Yeah. He's trying to triple dip, and they're like, dude, no, what? Chill.
1: Stop. Yeah. So for Hill and Range, he was supposed to be auditioning potential groups for the company, Spectre found a couple groups he wanted to specifically work with, the Duquesnes, the Creations, and the Crystals. He ended up snagging the Crystals after two of the other groups signed with different labels, uh, which was fine with him. However, the Crystals were pretty pissed because they'd assumed Phil was still working for his old label Big Top, which was better known than what they'd actually just signed with at phyllis records yeah um hill and range severed ties with phil when they found out he'd taken the group for his own production plans even taking legal control of the name so the crystals released their first single there's no other like my baby and it was a success hitting number 20 on the billboard hot 100 their next release uptown made it to number 13
0: so over the next few years phil Spector turned out a string of hits on phyllis with the crystals the ronettes and the Righteous Brothers, all utilizing his famous wall of sound production techniques.
1: Yeah, so senior producer for NPR's Steve Prophet was interviewing a few of Spectre's colleagues in 2003 for an article and kind of broke down this wall of sound technique even further, going off of what Jake said before. Essentially, he says, while other producers tried to isolate instruments so each could be heard cleanly, Spectre worked to get a big, flat sound. The Washington Post kind of added and said it was a world-changing record technique, that involved meticulous multi tracking, sometimes with various instruments playing the same melody, until a simple pop song achieved symphonic saturation.
0: Yeah. Along the way, Spectre inevitably had a falling out with Sill. After all, he had a peevish independence that plagued any of his working relationships.
1: Kind of makes sense as to why he left Hazelwood in the dust earlier on.
0: Yeah, Spectre felt that it was his artistic genius that had made Phyllis a success and he wasn't about to share the rewards with somebody else longer than necessary, especially after Lester Sill had the audacity to interrupt (laughs) Spectre's string of hits by producing and releasing non-charting singles of his own on phyllis specter made himself completely unavailable by calling meetings and not appearing for them and then making it impossible to reach him once he started making deals and signing contracts without sales input the end was near only a year after the partnership began
2: phil made life miserable for sale to the point where specter could buy him out of phyllis and expensively and then never paid him the $60,000 for his part of the company. Spectre claimed Sill owed, owed him royalties uh, from having worked with the Paris sisters the previous year. This prompted Sill to sue Spectre for the payment to his share of the company.
1: I was going to say, did you get it in writing? Because nothing can really be done unless there's a signed contract.
0: <laughs> yeah, but they had to have some sort of paperwork about the company. I don't oh, know. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, during all this, uh, when he was at Liberty Records, he heard a song, He's a Rebel. This song was supposed to be released with Vicki Carr, but Spectre basically stole it and got it into the studio to have it recorded by Darlene Love and the Blossoms.
1: Quite rebellious indeed, but makes sense though, because Darlene was singing with the Crystals at the time, which Spectre had been working with consistently.
0: It's, <laughs> it's really shady dealings, and I would, I would not want to be her no. either, because you, now you are the instrument for this man's fucking debauchery. He's just, like, stealing shit left and right, and you're the person who has to sing it. Yeah. So, like, they've got to be pissing off some people, too. But also, she
1: could have been like, I didn't know it was stolen. Right. She probably didn't.
0: I like how she said it in that sing-song. But I didn't know it was stolen. I'm
1: putting words in her mouth. I don't know what (laughs) happened.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So, back to Sill and Spectre. Uh, They're going at it over the buyout, Inspector hits the studio with the crystals to record uh, what some might consider to be a musical F.U. to Sill. They recorded a song called Let's Dance the Screw, Hmm. which Spectre turned into, I'm assuming, a a 45 record with uh, Let's Dance the Screw Part 1 on side A and Let's Dance the Screw Part 2 on side B. And it was basically an unsellable song, which some claim Spectre was attempting to use to screw sill out of what was supposed to be royalties from the Crystals' next song or album. So he basically makes a shit song that wouldn't sell, so no royalties would have to be paid.
0: From what I read, they only made one copy and they just mailed it to him and were like, that's it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so Sill says, quote, I sold out for a pittance. It was shit, ridiculous, around $60,000. I didn't want to, but I had to. Let me tell you, I couldn't live with Philip. I just wanted the fuck out of there. If I wouldn't have, I would have killed him. It wasn't worth the aggravation. No matter how important it was, it wasn't that important.
0: It's really shitty too because remember Syl had taken on Phil as an apprentice way back in the day and Phil essentially edged him out of this whole partnership and threw him a few peanuts. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. (laughs) When Phyllis became his own he released several singles that charted through 1965 including a Christmas album that was originally titled A Christmas Gift for You from Phyllis Records.
2: It utilized the entire roster of artists to record its songs. Uh, The album was released on November 22nd 1963, the same day that President John F. Kennedy was assassinated. So the album flopped. Yeah. The album was reissued by Apple Records in 1972 with new cover art, a picture of Phil as Santa Claus, wow. and retitled Phil Spector's Christmas Album. This version of the album went to number six on Billboard's special Christmas albums sales chart in December of that year, uh, which was its highest chart ranking and in 2019, it was rated Greatest Christmas Album of All Time by Rolling Stone. Original copies with the old title can sell now for about four to $500 in excellent condition. Uh,
0: they're first of all making a list called Greatest Christmas Album of All Time, which can't even be a list because it's impossible, logically, for any Christmas album to be great. Lies. Moving on. No, 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 no. Dial it back. Nope. Alex. Go ahead, Jake. The Vince Guaraldi Trio.
2: The Home Alone soundtrack. <laughs>
0: That's the only one. <laughs> I was going to see what you were going to say. Bye. I would I would entertain the idea of the Beach Boys Christmas album and the Home Alone soundtrack, and that's it. And that's it. Go ahead, uh, well, Jack. now I that you mention me. Beach Boys,
2: uh, oh. fun oh. facts about the Christmas <laughs> album. Uh, Brian, ah. Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys uh, was super inspired by Spectre songs and attempted to contribute some piano to Santa Claus is Coming to Town, but was rejected due to low performing ability.
0: Ooh that sucks
2: yeah uh, despite this he said it was one of his favorite albums of all time also share sang backup vocals for the entire album
0: is she in her 40s or her 70s all right so
1: according to google
0: <laughs> she would have been
1: 17 at the time that she was doing these background vocals shit so it seems like this is probably the first glimpse we had mm-hmm. in believing in life after love because wow. this was her emergence into the industry sunny was actually also in the studio during the recordings r.i.p
2: Uh, And I do believe I mentioned this in another episode already in the season, but it's always worth mentioning again. Weird Al's Christmas at Ground Zero is basically a style parody of this album. So
1: it's 1963 and it's a big year for Phil beyond the Christmas album. He also married the lead singer from the Spectres 3, Annette Carrar. According to the vulture article, they were living in New York at the time and discussed getting married in LA. But then Specter insisted that it had to be done in New York instead of LA with very short notice and obviously no time for Annette's family and friends to travel there. The wedding night ended in tears. I wonder why.
0: And then Specter left and flew to LA. What? So he like he argued for the wedding to be in New York instead what? and then traveled to LA right afterwards anyways. Mm. I mean, he kind of sounds like a controlling toxic asshole i don't know maybe he was like a,
1: expecting her to not show up
0: Like i don't know what what is a? why would you even get married to her if you're just gonna get married and fucking leave like and then know. we'll see how much worse it gets. <laughs> i just hate him all right so
1: according to her uh phil was not or phil was just not available as a husband partner or a friend as soon as we were married everything started going to hell um, while still married to Annette, he had an affair with Veronica Bennett, who was the lead singer of the Ronettes. He officially divorced Annette in 1966 and kept the relationship with Veronica. Uh, in
2: 1963 was also a year we saw a hit get stolen out from under Spectre for once. Yay!
0: <laughs> Finally! Yes.
2: Fuck! Uh, and we did discuss this in another <laughs> oh, episode. right, right. We Those oh. of you who listened to our Leslie Gore episode may remember a chance meeting between Spectre and Quincy Jones, where Spectre had boasted about recording It's My Party with the Crystals. This prompted Jones to rush the release of his recording, sending Leslie Gore into instant stardom. And according to philspector.com, his recording remains unreleased to this day. It would have been an interesting listen. I this don't want to hear it. I'm good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1965, Specter was profiled in, in the first Tycoon of Teen by Tom Wolfe in the New York Herald Tribune, which is was a prestigious paper. The article embellished a lot of things, implying that Spectre had written many of his own hits on his own, and also talked about an airplane incident where Spectre freaked out and tried to get them to turn around and let him off. The actual events were much more dramatic than the paper described. Uh, The profile also completely ignored how much Spectre alienated everyone he worked with in New York.
0: So I wonder if the author Tom Wolfe stood to gain anything from writing about Spectre in a positive light, or... Maybe he was simply looking for a story and he didn't really do his research well enough to know what people actually thought of Phil. Like hmm. if he only if he only interviewed Phil for this article and didn't get enough like character witnesses to add, it makes sense that he would get the story completely wrong.
1: So it does kind of make sense why Tom started writing fiction novels soon after. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. <laughs> but according to the New Yorker and Tom Wolfe himself, while they were archiving his works back in twenty fifteen, they found a draft Of the Phil Spector profile and his, you know, his editors were all going through it and they basically didn't believe anything that Tom had collected. They thought the story was too far fetched to even publish until they checked out with Phil and he authenticated all of it, which we've already talked about. That guy's a known liar. So he's like, yeah, this all happened. So they were like, wow, Tom got this great article and it kind of like skyrocketed him into the writer that he was. So he did have something to gain. Yeah. Um, And he got all the juicy deets, so then they started giving him more work. Weird. Yeah. Uh,
2: Back to the plane incident, though. Uh, Sonny Bono recounted it differently. Quote, as the plane had taxied to get in position for takeoff, Phil freaked out. He was screaming, I'm not flying on this plane. These people are losers. And the plane's not going (laughs) to make it. Uh, Phil always thought the people he thought were losers were cursed. So they came (laughs) back to the gate, which is against all regulations. I probably back then, not, not so much now. Uh, they threw him off and banned him from flying American Airlines ever again. They took his credit cards and took down all his identification, everything. They hated him. And I think they uh, fired the pilot for bringing the plane back.
0: Uh, well, I, that seems to be common practice nowadays. They're like, if you're going to be a dick, get yeah, the if fuck out of this airplane. Up,
2: yeah, they don't care where they're at. Like, yeah. If you're acting up, you're off. So, nice. uh, yep. Anyways, it uh, seems <laughs> yes. like Phil wasn't trying to get... Another plane with more losers on it, so Cher uh, <laughs> headed down to the airport uh, to help him get on another flight. She finally managed to convince him after giving him a chain with St. Christopher on it, telling him it was blessed. Bro. Funny that that's what got him on the plane, though, especially since he's Jewish.
0: What drugs was he on? I want to know. <laughs> 1966 was a pretty tough year for Phil Spector. It was the year that he divorced Annette to continue his relationship with Ronnie. And although I'm sure he wasn't too upset about the divorce, it's still a stressful process. That he created for himself. Yes, that's very true. In 1966, it was also the year that Lenny Bruce died, um, who's a comedian, from what Victoria read it seems like phil idolized lenny bruce and when he died in 1966 of an overdose phil brought the negative he bought the negatives of the crime scene photos Uh. depicting bruce naked on the bathroom floor surrounded by drug paraphernalia and initially that sounds really fucking weird yeah yeah but but (laughs) specter bought the negatives to keep the press from getting their hands on them and publishing them He also paid for Lenny's funeral expenses, so that can be, like, the one or the second, you know, thing that he ever did that was nice.
2: One of the few nice things, probably. Yes. There's only two. Uh, So, yeah, as you mentioned, Lenny Bruce was a stand-up comedian. He had a few run-ins with the law for obscenity during his sets, uh, which led to a conviction for obscenity in 1964. I don't know what he said or the particulars of the case, but it seems a bit absurd and unconstitutional. They also... Had a sting on him, like he was at a club. There were cops in the audience, just waiting for him to say something. Yeah. Nobody in the club said and were seemed to be ones complaining about it. No. They were just cops sitting there, and they're like, "Oh, you said this. We're taking you in."
0: No, I think yeah, he would just curse or say things that were like kind of crass. Yeah, yeah.
2: I I read small snippets of his stuff, and it's
0: it would never ever be wrong today it was 1960s yeah. it was pretty fucking tame we
1: talked about him in an earlier season too
0: i don't remember when but we would either. we would be arrested in one second yes yeah mostly
1: you. yes specter's final signing to philly's records was husband wife duo ike and tina turner tina had never heard of specter and in her autobiography she detailed an unflattering view of him he had odd hair ostentatious clothes and unhealthy complexion and weird behavior um. There was a quote, he would pick up an apple core from an ashtray and eat it. I thought it was nasty.
0: Yes, she would be correct. <laughs> Tina, tell it like it is.
2: I don't know. Sounds like we're all missing out on a trip to Flavortown here.
1: Yeah, no, I was <laughs> nauseated just reading that. <laughs> Not happening. <laughs> so, <laughs> what was
2: that?
1: <laughs> Obviously, we've talked about Spectre being a big fan of himself, Okay. Okay. <laughs> He's quoted as believing that his specific production of "River Deep, Mountain High" is the summit of his Wall of Sound productions, uh, which George Harrison agrees with. And George himself said it's a perfect record from start to finish. That record included 42 instruments and backup vocals, but featured Tina without Ike. Oh! <laughs> 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 they were a duo, right. anyway. So the record wasn't as popular in the U.S. as it was in Britain. But, and- Britain, but I think that's because us blokes don't know what good tunes, isn't it? <laughs>
2: uh, I believe the correct term is wankers. Oh,
1: yes. Bus wankers? We're all wankers.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people do that, too.
1: Tina believed the record was too black for white radio and too white for black radio. But others thought the record itself was just noisy, which makes sense. 42 instruments and singers do make noise. Hmm. So, however, they remastered the track in 91, and it does do the song some justice. The song was recently... Remade popular even more so recently by TikTok fans sharing the Glee cover. oh Yeah.
2: Uh, proud to say I don't use TikTok, nor have I ever seen Glee. Good for you. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, yes. Spectre's royalties. We're going to go into a sidebar about this. Anytime Spectre worked with someone on songwriting, he would add his name usually first. Blech. Not to say that he didn't work with the people, because he definitely did, but it's still kind of shady behavior to just add yourself to literally everything. Producers are supposed to shape the songs, but there's this from a Vulture.com article. Because he knew, the A-side and the B-side both got equal publishing royalties, no matter that everyone who bought the thing was interested only in the side with the hit. Spector was also almost always credited as a co-writer of the song on the B-side as well. Once he got established, the songs on the B-side disappeared, replaced by instrumentals. He'd get one of his assistants to go into the studio and craft an aimless tune. Quote, if it starts sounding good, stop. Spectre would then take that track and use that and credit himself as the writer instead of the actual song by a songwriter as the B-side to the single, earning himself another full songwriting royalty for the single. That's why you'll see goofy Spectre B-side titles like Flippin' Nitty or even Dr. Kaplan's Office. There's an album of these tunes available on streaming services credited to the Phil Spector Orchestra. So Ah. him doing this would oftentimes create royalties that were four times the rate of the other writers on the songs on top of the money his publishing company made on album
2: sales. I don't know if I should be mad that he gave himself credit for other people's work or impressed that he was working the system.
0: He was working it. Yeah. I mean, it's smart, but it's also fucked up. (laughs) <laughs>
1: um, in 1967, he tried to sell off Phillies to a Records, but the deal fell through. He withdrew temporarily from the public eye and left the recording industry. He was in a relationship with Ronnie Bennett at the time, but apparently he became domineering and almost stalkerish with her, according to Vulture.
0: So trigger warning here for domestic abuse. Phil would keep Ronnie nearby when he was in the studio, but he would not allow her to speak to other musicians. One time when she was out at a club, he tracked her down and he dragged her off of the floor. Her band, the Ronettes, they were on tour with the Rolling Stones in England once, and he totally isolated her in a separate hotel room so that she would have to answer when he called Uh, ronnie wrote a memoir talking about how her mother didn't approve of the marriage but phil got around that whole thing and married her anyways in 1968 their wedding day culminated in a bruising fight in phil's mansion where he accused ronnie of being a gold digger.
2: i feel like consummating the marriage would have been way more fun
0: you would have thought well, do you are you trying to fuck Phil Spector?
2: Not at the moment. I'm doing a podcast.
0: He's dead. That's illegal. <laughs> okay. We had a discussion about this. Anyways, did we? Well, me. I and don't Jake think did. you
2: were here for that one. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I'm on probably Patreon. glad I wasn't. <laughs> if you
0: want to hear me and Jake talk about necrophilia, subscribe to us on Patreon. Oh
1: my god. Uh,
0: it wasn't really that. It was corpse abuse, but it goes oh. into it. Anyways. So, Ronnie attempted to file for a divorce after only three months of marriage, but they stayed together. It was a very toxic, push-pull sort of relationship. Phil was jealous and paranoid and didn't allow Ronnie to have access to any money or to, to even, like, direct the household staff. She never left the house. In Ronnie's memoir, she said that he basically held her captive at the mansion and subjected her to years of psychological torment.
2: So I'm no brain person, and we mentioned this earlier, but uh, I feel like his actions are stemming from abuse from his mom.
0: I would say that
2: that is
1: probably
0: true.
2: 100%.
1: Um, They adopted a child together in 1968. His name was Dante. More on that. Um, In 1971, Specter gave Ronnie a weird Christmas gift to five-year-old twin boys, Lewis and Gary, that he adopted for her. What the wow, actual thank
0: F. you. That's exactly what I've always wanted for my kids birthday or for as Christmas. as a Christmas gift. Yeah. Right.
2: I will instantly unfriend anyone who tries to give me a kid as a gift.
0: You know, <laughs> Children are not gifts.
1: You know how every year during Christmas there's always this big push to like adopt all the animals out of the shelters?
2: Well, yes, yes, yes. And
1: then you get people on the other hand that are like, don't bring them back once they just start peeing on the rug. I feel like it's a very similar, like don't give kids for Christmas. It's very similar. They might pee on the rug. They might pee on the rug. <laughs> <laughs> what
2: the fuck? Then you have to anyway, send them back.
1: Yeah. If you're adapting a full ass human, I would think that you would want um, both consenting adult parties yeah. involved. I don't know how adoption law worked back then. Obviously, well. the man right. was just allowed to do anything he wanted. He basically
0: just was like, I'm going to adopt these kids so that you can't possibly do anything else because now you're going to be taking care of three children. So oh, good point. you have it was no a trap. Life. Yes, it's a control mechanism mm. to keep her from doing anything else because not only he didn't just get her one fucking kid, he got her two.
1: Yeah, and they're five. To top it all off, though, Ronnie was talking to People magazine, and she said that they were in the car and they pulled up to the mansion where there's like a fountain out front, and she mm-hmm. said there are twins running around, these blonde-haired, blue-eyed twins, and she was like, "What is this?" And Phil says, "Merry Christmas." He never said to Ronnie, "What do you think we should do? Should we adopt twins?" Nothing. Everything was a surprise. No woman wants live children as a surprise. Only dead children. <laughs> Just
2: kidding. Uh, yeah, that was. Also, well-worded.
1: this this is another point. Who was at the mansion while these two were off in a car? While these kids were playing around a fountain that they could have drowned in.
0: Uh, I don't know. You Unsafe.
2: Know, kids, kids were more robust back then. I'm calling
0: CPS. <laughs> um,
1: After years of torment being trapped in their mansion and forbidden to perform, Ronnie escaped Phil in 1972 with the help of her mother, and she basically had to run barefoot to safety. When they were going through their divorce proceedings in 1974, Ronnie forfeited all future recording earnings and surrendered custody of the children during the settlement. She alleged that she only agreed because Spector threatened to hire a hitman to kill her if she didn't. Mm-hmm. Phil did have to write alimony checks for Ronnie, but apparently would write fuck you on them because, you know, he's just a ray of sunshine. Later on, Spectre's sons, Gary and Dante, stated about their childhood that their father kept them captive. Sounds familiar. Mm. Um, And forced them to perform simulated intercourse with Spectre's girlfriend. Gary also stated that he was blindfolded and sexually molested. His dad would say to him, you're going to meet someone, and that Phil was doing or what Phil was doing was justified so that it would be a learning experience for Gary. Dante continued and described the upbringing as coming from a very sick, twisted, dysfunctional family.
0: Yeah, this guy's a total abusive maniac. Like, his his working relationships already clued us in on this. Now his relationships with women, of course it carried on to the children. Anyone who looks at human beings as possessions is fucking nuts yeah. even afterwards to treat her like she did anything wrong in this situation i just feel so bad for those kids yeah because you know she had to get out to save herself and right. she's like i didn't i mean no offense to you guys like you but fuck you know what right. am i supposed to do like
1: That's, i was gonna say i would think that the abuse happened after she left because why leave those or like the, the kid abuse w- right. would happened after she left um because why leave those kids with him but if her own life was being threatened like she had no choice
0: yeah
2: yeah keep in mind it's the 70s no one speaks out against this kind of stuff and, and there isn't really any sort of support network uh, yeah network that's good point. at the time either It's dras- drastically different than today
1: yeah because some people would be like oh it's your fault that he's abusing you mm-hmm.
2: yeah they put the blame on her and, yeah you know no, uh, yeah. nobody would there nobody there would be there to support her there's no like I said, there's no support networks back then. No. There's right. nothing.
1: While all this was happening at home, Spectre came back into the public eye because he was invited to work on the Beatles' Let It Be album. I and, hate that. And what narcissist would turn that down? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he used many of his production techniques and made significant changes to the arrangements and sound of some songs. Released after a month after the Beatles' breakup, the album topped the U.S. and U.K. charts.
0: Spector's overdubbing of The Long and Winding Road didn't sit well with Paul McCartney who composed it. Many music critics critics disliked it too, and Phil later attributed this partly to resentment that an American producer appeared to be taking over such a popular English band. Paul didn't like all of the production on it, but Spectre had added a huge orchestra and heavenly choirs, which was the first time outside voices had been used on a Beatles record. Lennon, defended Spectre, oh, telling Jan Wenner of Rolling Stone, he was given the shittiest load of a badly recorded shit with a lousy feeling toward it ever, and he made something out of it. He did a great job. McCartney in the years to come would master Let It Be Naked and remove all of Phil's additions. I knew I liked Paul for a reason. Hell yeah!
1: <laughs> I
2: mean, I, I grew up listening to the original version of The Long and Winding Road, so the sound is familiar to me when I hear it, um, and I can't knock it, but I have to say Paul McMotherfucking Cartney's version may be better.
0: I bet it is. Uh, I didn't listen to that one yet. Is it on the playlist? Oh, by the way, we haven't mentioned the playlist in a while. Oh, yeah, we We, should do that. We make a playlist for every episode. (laughs) I don't know the last time we actually spoke about it, but there's a playlist for every single episode that we put in the description um, of the show notes. And if you search for Death by Podcast (laughs) Team on Spotify, we have a whole profile full of playlists for you For
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. For each episode, Sorry.
0: Jake just
2: scratched
1: facial he hair. <laughs> he right was like deep mic. in thought. Like, yes, I should listen.
0: My chin <laughs> didn't make he that noise. He was stroking his facial hair, and it was it was really fucking weird. It sounded
1: kind of like a maraca, like a faint <laughs> maraca. Ew! <laughs> <laughs> I don't need
0: that right in my ears.
1: Are you sure? Right. He's making a wall of sound. Anyway, <laughs>
0: that's the first. That's the first level to get your our- gourd
1: out of the kitchen. <laughs>
0: They, played, I with Go ahead, they played with gourds. Go ahead, They played with gourds. So because
1: George Harrison has been a Spectre fan for years at this point, they start working together on Harris's Living in the Material World album in October of 1972. What Harrison starts to dislike about Phil is how unreliable the man is, which led to George kicking Spectre to the curb. Great. Harrison recalled that at one point he was climbing down into Spectre's Central London hotel room from the roof to get Phil to attend the sessions. Wow. Apparently, well, he's the only way he could get in. Yeah, apparently, Phil's co producer was an alcoholic and needed 18 cherry brandies before he could get himself down to the studio because you know, 18 is a respectable number. Indeed, yes. Lennon tried to collab in 1973 with Spectre, but they couldn't get much done due to Spectre's substance abuse. He was on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Phil liked to party and apparently would brandish handguns in the process. Oh, right. I yep. forgot about this. Yep. He once fired a shot from the gun. Well, Lennon was recording. What the f- Oh my god. Maybe it was a new sound. Hmm. Wall of sound. The, pro- <laughs> the project was abandoned, and when Lennon tried to a- obtain the tape from the session, the person who s- he sent to retrieve the tapes was actually greeted by Spectre himself, wielding an axe. Oh. According to a Jewish news publication called Forward, Spectre had an adoration of weaponry and brooding over Nazis fed in feelings of paranoia combined with megalomania. And his abuse of drugs and alcohol were largely tolerated by the industry because he was so successful. Sounds familiar!
0: Phil had an ability to get mad, mad when he was drunk. Oh. Like Cassie just kind of mentioned, and he could keep screaming at someone for 10 whole ass minutes. (laughs) According to the Vulture article, during this phase, he was known for several ridiculous incidents, including showing up for an interview with the BBC in a quasi-military uniform, carrying a gun, and sporting a straw hat. That's not military grade. (laughs) Yes, on another occasion, he nearly killed himself in a car accident on the Sunset Strip, suffering serious head injuries that required several hours of surgery with over 300 stitches to his face, which sounds crazy. And Can more f- than four hundred to the back of the head.
2: Can they fit that many on you?
0: Yeah, on your that damn face. <laughs> it's
2: like nothing left.
0: It's also attributed to why he started to wear outlandish wigs. On another occasion, showing up to recording sessions with a case of manischewitz wine oh. uh, to be drunk through a straw.
2: Oh, not too totally unfamiliar, eh?
0: Nope, it is not. I actually <laughs> threw up at Christmas once because all through a had straw. Well, <laughs> not through. That sounds fucking terrible. My you know mom, she had a bunch of Manishevits like in the house because my grandma was there and that's the only wine she would drink and it's really really sweet wine and i had like a glass of it and it was so fucking disgusting i threw up but i also had just eaten a giant hamburger and then my mom was like you're drunk and i was like i'm not drunk this shit's gross (laughs) (laughs) it was really it was fucking terrible anyways i didn't drink it through a straw then would i now yes you have to uh, so, quote, his skin would stink from the smell of the wine, someone oh. said. And then he would scale up to amyl nitrate, a.k.a. poppers. These are inhalants that have a euphoric effect at first and then wear off and leave the user feeling depressed or anxious.
2: Sounds like fun.
0: Yes. Uh, to, um, he would talk of his plans to have a movie made of his life. He wanted it to be in three parts, directed respectively by Dennis Hopper, Stanley Kubrick, and Martin, Martin Scorsese. He also caused a scene in Elaine's in New York. He got punched out by Steve Dunlevy. Who that? I don't know. Cool. Probably an actor okay. or a musician. I don't know. Either way, he got he got punched by a dude. Cool. He pulled a gun out on a parking lot attendant who stepped in between an altercation between Phil Spector and a woman. Of course he was yelling at a woman. Of course he was. <laughs> so he's just causing all kinds of fucking trouble. Drugs.
1: Um, He tried to do a bunch of stuff in the mid-70s with labels like Warner Brothers, but most of his songs flopped during that time. At the end of the 70s, he got a collaboration with the Ramones on their End of the Century album, which came in with mixed reviews. And rumors swirled that Spectre had held the Ramones hostage at gunpoint in the studio, which Marky Ramone, the drummer, said was not true in an interview with the Miami Times in 2015.
2: When asked if he thought Spectre was crazy, he said, quote, well, not at that point. Later on in life, probably. (laughs) I knew him uh, until he went to jail. We remained friends, but as time went on, he did get a little more maniacal. But in the studio, he just did his job. It was an honor to work with a guy like that who had such a great reputation as a producer. Sure, he had different situations with different artists. He did pull out guns on different people, but not at us. We were all different personalities. We were all crazy in a sense. So it really was like a loony bin, but we did our job, we did it well, and that was the end, or that was the result, end of the century.
1: I don't know, if I'm recording a song with my band, I'm not going to be like, well, the guy pulled a gun on a guy once, but uh, that's not going to happen to us. What do you mean? So, um, in the early 80s, he was largely inactive, except for having a girlfriend, Janice Zavala, who he had two kids with. Their names were Nicole and Philip Jr. Philip Jr. died of leukemia in 1991. Phil also spent a bunch of time trying to license out the Ronettes' music and movies, advertisements, and music compilations for which the Ronettes sued him in 1988 because he wasn't paying them any royalties.
0: Yeah, it took 15 years of litigation, and in 2002, New York State's highest court ruled that they did not have the right to share the money earned through the use of their songs in movies, television, and advertising. Judges sympathized with the Ronettes, seeing as how they earned less than $15,000 total for their chart-topping songs, but... They did sign a contract in 1963 giving Phil unconditional rights to their recordings. The mm. high court revised the lower court's ruling that the Ronettes were entitled to the standard 50% royalties on album sales. So, like the lower court had previously ruled that Specter should pay three million dollars in damages and interest, but the reversal from the high court reaffirmed that the contract, um, which the contract that in- initially stated three to four percent rates on sales which is so shitty yeah in
2: 1989 phil Spector was inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame in 1994 he wrote a letter to the hall of fame to oppose the induction of the ronettes saying they weren't a proper recording act (sighs) hadn't contributed enough to music to merit induction they were eventually inducted but not until 2007
0: i hate this man yeah i love how he props these people up in these bands as long as it suits him and then is spiteful enough to say that they didn't do shit in the end You didn't think that they were that bad when you were getting paid for all of their work, though, huh? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he's selling their shit for royalties and, like, oh, they don't deserve to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They suck. Uh, Like, bitch, they're paying your bills. You don't deserve to be there
1: anyway. Yeah.
2: And in 1966, he tried to work with Celine Dion on her album Falling Into You, but was fired due to personal and creative differences. Yeah. In 1997, he was inducted into the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Boo. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> this, this band he worked with uh, before he went to jail was Star Sailor, a British band, on the, on the tracks White Dove and Silence is Easy.
0: So that was the last group that he worked with. And that right. is where we're going to um hang it up for part two we were thinking it would be definitely a two-parter and for sure like we have not even gotten to the crime yet well there have been lots of crimes <laughs> lots along of the way
1: yes crimes from this man
0: yes but uh, we're not even to the murder of lana clarkson yet so that is where we are going to pick up for part two of phil specter so make sure that you tune in next week. And wow. just a little heads up. You might get a week break after that. Um, Cassie's going to be out of town. And we are working on getting all of our research done for John Lennon, Amy, um, which is going to be a big fucking episode, another yeah. two-parter. So we probably are going to take a little week break to just complete all of that. But you still get your episode next week. And don't forget to subscribe to our Patreon if you want extra content. I think we've got like 20 full episodes up there now nice um most of the or like probably about half of them are 27 club season right and then there's a handful more that's just pretty you know longer episodes of other shit that we talked about like necrophilia but that wasn't it wasn't really necrophilia <laughs> it was a subject matter we were talking about the guy from cannibal corpse did we tell you that yes yeah. okay can the guy from cannibal corpse who got arrested for all kinds of shit anyways and um we should have a new episode coming out It it probably already has come out by now, actually, now that I think of it. But it was about uh, musicians' deaths by music genre and what is the most likely um, way for them to die based on if they are in hip-hop or if they are a rock artist or if they are in pop. So that was super interesting. That's going to be on Patreon soon. If it's not already, you can stay up to date with the real timeline by following our Facebook group. True. Death by Music Podcast fans on facebook um i have nothing else to say because this recording has been going on for a while and my brain hurts it's the headphones it is so thank you guys for listening to part one we hope it was very informative and helped to lay the scene groundwork for yes lay the groundwork for part two and why this shit even happened it gets it gets pretty crazy so we'll catch you next wednesday rest in peace bye later